0: Hmm? Ah.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rima
2: And I'm Peg
1: And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the hit Netflix show, The Haunting of Bly Manor
2: This week we are covering episode 7, titled The Two Faces Part 2 We've made it to the part (laughs) 2
1: Finally made it to the part two. Yeah, we were really anxiously awaiting this one. Uh, last week when we were talking about this was going to be the one that we were covering. We were, um, you know, assuming of course if you got a part one, there's going to be a part two, and yeah. here we are. <laughs> um, and what what an episode! I remember whenever I posted uh, on Facebook for our our feedback post, and I was like, I I just finished it, and I've got some thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> but everyone else does too, so I'm anxious oh, yeah. to hear your thoughts I'm anxious to hear what our listeners thought There, what an episode that's all I'm gonna say there was a lot of emotion a lot of um tragedy yeah uh in in this one um Mike Flanagan wasn't kidding when he called this a gothic romance because
2: you you definitely
1: got a lot of that happening here so what are your general thoughts on this week's episode?
2: Uh, generally, I think I really echo kind of what you just said. I think it was an incredible episode, another one, and just kind of like, they just keep getting better, I feel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we got a lot of answers, a lot of backstory, but on the flip side of that coin, it was very dark and disturbing and it was a little hard to watch in some moments, like with some of the stuff going on, like a lot of really sad and horrific stuff go- like going on with yeah. the characters and in that house on the property. And so I'm sure, you know, I'll dive into a little bit of it. I do want to, yeah, preface. I'm going to try to do my best to, to stay even, but like a little, if you want to call it a trigger warning or whatever, I know some people might think that term's a little overused or whatever, but you know, there may be some sensitive subjects and stuff that kind of come up within my notes that I'll try to dance around some of the ve- explicit, you know, specifics, but but yeah, but it might get into a little territory on some stuff. But
1: <laughs> no, I think that's good. I, yeah. I think you're right. I think both of us, we could probably, you know, we're both probably going to cross into that, into mm-hmm. some sensitive subjects. So yeah. so yeah, every, it's, it's probably good to just kind of let people know um, if you're easily triggered or, you know, anything like that. Just um, maybe something to prepare yourself for mm-hmm. um, just in case. So yeah that's, a, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll try
2: to get too in depth on that stuff, but... But it's some of it's. I mean, it's character stuff that kind of has to be talked about when we're really mm-hmm. diving into this.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, we're just going to try and talk about it the best that we can and yep. be as sensitive as possible, yes, um, as we can. So, yeah, sounds good. Well, I I know I'm really anxious to, <laughs> you know, instead of just sitting here talking about how we feel about it, I I, I know there's probably a lot of feelings between the two of us, um, in regards to this episode. So um, I would love to hear. Your number five.
2: All right, my number five. And I like to start small and simple. I like to build up to the big stuff, which usually you cover by that point, but that's totally fine. I love that. <laughs> that's then okay. the, I have that's stuff okay. to follow up with, so it's all good. So my number five, I just kind of wanted to talk about Hannah. The little bit that okay. we got with Hannah this episode. Mm-hmm. It wasn't much, but it was pretty big for her. It was a big deal. It was. Is finally Peter as Miles after the like full takeover, you know, comes down and and kind of whisks her way. And, you know, he's sweet talking to, you know, you beautiful, beautiful, sweet Hannah. And she's, oh, you. And like, you're kind of wondering, like, is she playing it off because she knows or like, has she already forgotten that Peter possesses miles? And you kind of find out she has forgotten because Mm -hmm. she is in this, we, we wondered about that a couple episodes ago of like, is she just kind of, Stuck in this loop of forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering and that is kind of what happens. And I think the analogy that I, I want to call him Peter because it really is technically Peter.
1: Yeah, for you sure. We're at the end. The yeah.
2: The analogy that he uses for her, referring to you know comparing her to Wiley e. Coyote, I mm-hmm. thought summed it up really well. It was this. It was kind of disturbing, but like it it did the job very well. Where she doesn't realize that she's dead and she hasn't come to grips with that in terms with it so she just keeps walking forward off this cliff living her normal everyday life not really realizing until she looks down figuratively figuratively and literally he has to force her to look down and realize you know not just in the loop in her dream hopping as they refer to it in this episode i love that they gave it a name
1: yeah it's good to hear that they do have a (laughs) term for it yeah
2: But yeah, like just because, you know, that kind of is the end of her loop is her dying and seeing it. But then it seems like she went back to not knowing. So for him to kind of grab her and break her out of that loop and make her look down and fall down the cliff, which then maybe one of the strangest things that I will find haunting for a long time is Miles being possessed of here and saying, Meep, meep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, know, Wile e. Coyote and, and, and the Roadrunner were precious cartoons to me as a child growing up. <laughs> Loved the uh, Bugs Bunny show. That was just Saturday morning classics to me, and uh, I don't think I'm ever going to think
2: of it. Yeah, no, because anytime Sorry I think again. of that, I'm just going to picture like Miles' face going Meet meat, all like sinisterly, and I'm going to be like, nope, I'm done with that now. Um, you've ruined it. Yeah. Thanks.
1: You totally ruined the Roadrunner for me, meat, meat. Uh, that was <laughs> extremely disturbing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, I, I'm terrible. I really have to, to get these actors names down. And I'm just so terrible with names. So if I don't have them written in front of me, but oh my God, you know, we've talked about him often uh, throughout the season. Uh, not just when he, when he's Peter or Peter is Miles, however you want to say it. Yeah. Just in general, his acting has, has been fantastic. But
2: yes, uh, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth,
1: I think. That Thank you. S-
2: sounds right. It's near the end of the season. I've gotten a lot better at most of the cast at this point. <laughs>
1: you would think that I would be better, but I don't see the names often enough. I do good just yeah. to remember the cast, um, honestly. Uh, to you Miller, know Tania
2: Miller because she's incredible.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The only one I truly remember very well is Victoria Petretti, but yeah, yeah. Like I just knew her so well from Hill House and just absolutely adored you know everything that she does and then of course in you season two um so i just i, I feel like i just see her more often but um yeah so he when when Peter is possessing Miles, I mean this this child actor. I just don't think you can give either one of them enough credit yeah. for how well that they're doing. And I know that you mentioned kind of early on when you were t- when we were talking about the two young actors that this is kind of like the first big thing that he's kind of done, right? Like he's yeah. done. You mentioned maybe some stage or theater or something, and maybe some small things, and then like this is his first kind of real big kind of gig. Yeah. And this dude has some talent. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, he's, he's knocking it out of the park where he's really, cause in that moment when, and I'm going to be like, yo, I'm going to just go ahead and call him Peter. Cause I think it's kind of confusing to, you know, call him miles or, or, you know, miles is Peter. Cause he's really Peter at that moment yeah. there in the end. And when he sees Hannah, he is full on, as you said, sinister, And it is really scary to watch, and it was spooky. It was Mm -hmm. so spooky the way he's walking Hannah out into the woods and telling her the story and comparing her, you know, to Wiley Coyote. Um, I was really creeped out. The hairs on the back of my um, arm were definitely (laughs) raised up, and thinking, "Wow!" And then yeah, his little meet me. Oh my god. Yeah. Too much. this is creepy this is and then i felt so bad for poor hannah you know like Mm -hmm. he wasn't just telling her like looking down figuratively but literally you know because figuratively Wiley coyote you know looks when he looks down that's when he falls off the cliff well he wasn't making her just like figuratively look look you know down to make her fall he like she literally had to look down into the well and once again see her broken body Um, Lying down there and then she's immediately goes back to her happy place which I thought of course it's with Owen in the kitchen yeah You know, for the interview that, you know, we, we, they were talking quite often in this episode about, you know, where do you want to be tucked away? You know, where's your happy place? If there was one place that you could be tucked away, you know, that you would want to see or be there forever, where would it be? And seeing that that's where Hannah keeps coming back to, yeah, you know, I thought, oh, she's with Owen, you know, Mm -hmm.
2: I am interested to see where she kind of goes from here in these last couple of episodes, as far as, Mm -hmm. because I think she's broken that loop finally, because she does go back to it. Mm -hmm. But then she kind of breaks it by realizing, you know, Miles is gone and Flora might be too. And I can't do anything about it because I'm dead. Like she comes to terms with it in her, in her memory.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think she says it out loud. Yeah, yeah you're right. Not that she may not still get tucked away because we see even Peter and Rebecca, you know, yeah. um, still kind of get taken, taken to their different places. Um, and, and through their dream hopping, but so that, that will probably still happen. But I think now that she'll have that realization, I think you're right. She's got that now. Wow. <laughs> that was sad. Yep. I, poor Hannah. Yeah. I just, I love her and I hate seeing her suffer and be in pain like that. And it was just so, uh, like I said, sinister, just creepy. Yes. That whole walk through the woods. <laughs> that well. No, Hannah, don't go. No. All right. That's a really great number five. Um, well, I want to go ahead uh, and with my number five talk about Peter Quint.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and one one note, I guess I want to talk well, no, I'll I'll talk about that later. I'll save it in my notes. We'll just focus right now on on Peter and kind of leave that um for later. But we see he has a specific memory that he's forced to relive over and over. And, and I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, maybe it was a note or I don't know how in depth we went, but thought about what a kind of specific form of hell that it must be to keep living uh, the the same memory over and over again. And Peter has a really intrusive memory uh, that he keeps going back to. And that is of his mother. Um, Basically she doesn't come right out and say it, But essentially asking him to steal money from Henry Wingray. She's like, oh, well, you don't have money, but, um, you know, you're not rich, but you work for a rich man, you know, basically. And, you know, we learn a little bit about Peter in this episode. We get a little bit of history on him. You know, he had abusive parents. Yeah. And that's kind of what shaped him to be the man that he is today not that it gives anybody an excuse Mm -hmm. being abused as a child or at any point in your life doesn't give you license to abuse others uh, or anything like that. But it kind of helps you kind of understand a little bit why he is kind of a bad man. And he's also pretty selfish and why he seems so desperate now to escape his life. Cause we don't really see the bad part of that when he's working for uh, Henry. It's like, this doesn't look to be like such a bad gig. I mean, it's maybe not somebody's dream job. I know that the the cop kind of called him a butler. So <laughs> I think it seemed a little um, simplified version of what peter does uh yeah. for henry but it seems like yeah it was maybe his assistant his don't, don't, didn't they call it in the older days uh, this is my man i think i heard him say that on the titanic this is my man mm-hmm. you know uh whatever it was like his security guy his you know he fetched things for him he just did things for him or whatever so that's kind of what i think of um peter peter quint here yeah um but kind of see why he was kind of desperate um to kind of escape and it kind of contextualizes his behavior a little bit but definitely doesn't excuse it and you know but the thing is is that we see him he's a bad guy he's selfish but it's all rooted in something real yeah and having to watch him relive that memory with his mother over and over again was to me genuine horror
2: oh it was brutal
1: yeah. I I know that there have been some people not quite as thrilled with Bly Manor as what Hill House, you know, brought us, which I don't know. I feel like it's almost like apples and oranges yeah. at this point. Now that we're getting further into the story of 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 Bly Manor versus Hill House. I mean, Hill House definitely went deep. I mean, that was an emotionally gut-wrenching series <laughs> that I haven't been able to watch in two years since we we covered it uh two years ago. Um, It it took that much out of me. It was so emotionally draining. But it did have maybe some more jump scares. It was maybe a different type of scary. Um, But there was, you know, very real horror there as well. Um, But there's some different kind of horror here. And I don't know. I think that they did a really good job. Like I said, it does not excuse Peter's behavior. I I don't want to justify anything that he's done. But it kind of gives you some explanation as to who he is, how he became who he is. And honestly, for a little bit there, I felt for him. Yeah. Did you at all when you were kind Yes. And this?
2: so the way that I really kind of broke it down is I really feel sympathetic for Peter. But then I said, or at least not especially like the child Peter of the past, right. the right. kid that he was growing up. I mean, yeah, because it confirms, you know, there's like the thievery and actions are definitely because of his mom blackmailing him for whatever juvenile record he has. And and it's kind of, you see, that's his, to use his own words, like key is his self-importance and his worth and his job. And that means that much to him that he's willing to, you know, risk all that and throw all that away in order to save that reputation. Mm hmm. And that's kind of what ends up causing his death. And so, you know, I feel really bad for, again, all the things that he went through as a kid. I won't touch on it too much. You know, that's one of those things I was, you know, mentioning at the top Mm -hmm. where, you know, they they talk about, you know, he was abused and in pretty bad ways. And so, you know, he's he's brought up in that situation. So I can see him wanting to get away. And so it's almost kind of a two birds with one stone. He's like, you know, I can get rid of this blackmail. I can do that. But then also, like, maybe I really can. Start fresh. I do wonder if he wouldn't have died, if him and Rebecca would have taken the money and gone to America, you know, then he wouldn't have given it to his mom, but then he would have been away from everything, you know, away from the Wingraves, away from Henry, away from everything, and maybe he would have had a chance to start fresh. Mm-hmm. But they've also built him up. We've seen a manipulative you know, side of him that's also there outside of his past. And right. again, it it might be, you know, something that kind of would have been a, a trigger or something for that. But then, you know, all that said, like you were saying, it doesn't excuse or redeem the horrible things that he's done. Right. And continues to do. He, you know, is, has been manipulating Rebecca. And then here's one of the things that like, it's, I don't even know if I want to go into it, but. I'll stay like very surface level, but it's a kind of a full circle with his. I I look at the way that he is with Miles as almost a similar way of abuse. Totally, it's 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 in a different way and more yes. abstract way than what he went through as a kid. But I mean, it is. It's manipulation. It's grooming. It's taking innocence away from a kid using his body in a ways that he doesn't always. He's not okay with.
1: Right, and and, and that's what's hard to take in this episode, yeah. knowing how what Peter went through as a child, which they don't go into detail, and they mm-hmm. don't need to. We we certainly do not need to hear any detail, but I think that you get enough. Yeah. that he was abused by his father. His mother kind of excused it, and she knew what was happening, and was kind of like, "It's okay, it's okay, it's okay." Um, so yeah, that's terrible. He he not only got it from one parent, but he got got it from another too, yeah. in a different kind of way by excusing the behavior of the other parent um, and allowing it to continue to happen. Um,
2: yeah. So you, it's, so you, you see that, that it, that's in him, that he's, he's willing to to man, be manipulative and abusive in that way that it hurts other people, innocent right. people. And it, so I don't know even if things would have gone right for him, whether it would have actually made him any better of a person or not.
1: I, I don't know. I don't, I, I think the root of, of what he was was there and I think that I don't know I'm curious to I don't know if I if I've seen enough to know that he would even really try to like I you know I know that I am messed up right I know that I am messed up but I want to be a good person I don't want to be that person you know could he change like had he like never killed hannah had he never did what he did to rebecca and had yeah. he not done to what he did to the the, the kids miles specifically yep. you know um and yeah he was a thief so that was not gonna go away because he, he stole money if they did actually make it to america so he's still done some bad things and we don't and, and that's only what we know about yeah um i don't know maybe he would want to be a good person um but i don't know that he 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 could stay that way. Like maybe he would try, but I I think that he would always come back around to being that manipulative narcissist. Yeah. I mean, I don't know.
2: He puts himself first in all of those situations Uh, with Rebecca. I mean, he, from the get go, I think he totally knew he was manipulating her into thinking she was going to be with him. But that first time that, you know, he tucks her away, he lies to her and tells her, Oh, that's me. But it's just the memories that he's tucking her into while he's living life just possessing her body and not being with her which then drives him selfishly to like kill himself which actually is what kills herself and then instead of confronting her about it it seemed like there was just a period of time where he just hid away from her and didn't want to face it and then when he finally did come back to her it was just with more manipulation
1: exactly yeah i i don't know it seems like there were there were times he really I don't know that he knows how to be like a good kind or genuine person and not manipulate. I feel like that's how he grew up and that's all that he knows. And he kind of just went the other way. I'm not saying, and definitely people who are abused don't all turn out like this.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I certainly don't want to make it sound like, oh, well, if you're abused, you're just going to be messed up for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's not true. No. So uh, I take
2: pity on who he was in the past exactly. the things he had to go through. But it doesn't yeah. excuse the choices he makes as an adult now. And he continues exactly. to hurt other people.
1: Well, and yeah. it, I think what part, whenever I say that I sympathize with him during some of this, and it was most of the time during his uh, – when he's trapped in his memories with his mother, you kind of see that little boy. Yeah. Did not did you see it a little bit? You could see the uh, Yeah, he's his lip
2: quivering and he's got, I was in the middle of, you know, and he's got that little stutter and that quiver and he's, yeah, that's a really good way to put it is he's, he's the child in front of his mother again and he's just distraught and in his own personal hell there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I I had some serious issue and questions with, you know, how he was considering what had happened to him as a child. And again, we don't have details. We don't need the details, but Mm -hmm. Um, considering then what he was then doing to Miles, and he's very manipulative with
2: Miles. Like, oh, I know it might feel wrong, but you're doing the right thing. It's those kind of words, and it's it's just not not good. Right. <laughs> and, I, and that's about position. the most that I can say. Yeah, it's like,
1: yeah, eh. absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there was, yeah, and I think it's okay to talk about it. We d- you mm-hmm. know don't have to go too deep about it, but I think it's okay to talk about it because I, I, it's a
2: dark parallel, to, but to, it is a parallel that's there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's still, I feel like a, a, a form of abuse to use his mm-hmm. body in a way that maybe uh, Miles doesn't always like or agree with yeah. um, or feel good about, you know. Um, yeah.
2: But he knows the right so. words. He knows Miles. Like, again, it goes back to that that key. He knows how to use that manipulation of, oh, but you can see your parents again and you can do this to where he is. He's manipulating and grooming this kid to do what he, what, what Peter wants.
1: Right. Very dark stuff, mm-hmm. Peter Quint. Yeah. All right. I, I think we've got more to talk about that because I know <laughs> I'm going to talk more about Bex and I'm going to talk about more about their relationship yes. and what that looks like. But just kind of talking a little bit about Peter and kind of seeing what it's been like for him because kind of seeing what it was like after – he, you know, we, we've we seen glimpses, we've seen him lurking about, we saw, you know, how he died and stuff, but to kind of see how that came about um, in this second part of the story was, was interesting. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in, in this part, but I know we're going to talk um, a little bit more about that. So that's my number five. What is your number four?
2: That actually was my number four was, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, works out was Peter's past and kind of how it's affected how he behaves awesome. now. So yeah, we covered it really pretty much hundred percent. Yeah. That's good. why I had a lot to say on that one. Cause I was like, Oh, it's my next one. Let's just do it.
1: <laughs> good. Yeah. It's great. I love that. You know, sometimes it's great just to sync up like that because then mm-hmm. you have a really good conversation about it and you had some really great points. So yeah, really great. Yeah, I
2: think maybe um, the only point that I didn't cover that was in my, now I'm looking over it is, and again, it doesn't excuse what he is doing with miles and what Rebecca is even doing with Flora. But like, I have just kind of this theory of like, maybe when they are doing that that's kind of their way of grounding themselves to where they they don't fade or they don't dream hop they don't you know lose themselves is when they're Mm -hmm. possessing somebody else who's alive so I think that's what really got them kind of into doing that a lot more and more (laughs) regularly was that was the way to ground themselves and so that's their reasoning for it at least at first
1: right that makes sense yeah I mean you can tell that that Peter really hates kind of being in his ghostly form it seems mm-hmm. that because he keeps even though he's been dead longer and kind of had more time to kind of adapt to being dead than what Rebecca has he still is being drawn back yeah you know and he can't stop it he keeps hearing the knocking and hearing the knocking and even though he keeps trying to ignore it and even when he recognizes it for what he what it is he can't not go there he keeps getting pulled back like against his will yeah which again just you know he's not he's not tucked away in a nice little memory like some people are. You know in a happy mm-hmm. memory he he has to keep reliving that over and over again, which just personal hell. So again, definitely, and and that's what they're doing such a great job about this show. It's like making me sympathize with a piece of shit like Peter Quint. Yeah, you
2: know, <laughs> like, You're like I mean, yeah, it's terrible that he's stuck in that hell, and so yeah, of course he's going to do whatever he can to stay out of that. But
1: yeah, when it's yeah. at the
2: expense of other innocent people. It still doesn't exactly. make it good. You
1: know? Exactly. Yeah, his his methods, you know, are still not justified at all. All right. Um, well, my number f- um, four, since that was your number four, we'll just mm-hmm. go into, and I want to talk about Bex. All right. Uh, so I was a little disappointed in, in in this episode and, well, a lot of the episodes really, but especially this one, because we, we got the backstory for Peter where we kind of – see his, how his behaviors kind of rooted there in his past. And, but what for me was unfortunate was we don't get a lot of explanation as to why Rebecca would be so suscept- susceptible to his manipulations. You know, we've kind of talked yeah. about, and they've said in the, in other episodes, you know, Hannah and, you know, I think even Jamie might have mentioned, but especially Hannah was like, you know, she was so smart and she had so much ahead of her and she had a good head on her shoulders and, you know, just not understanding how you know, she could be taken down by someone like that so easily, you know, it's like, she just seems like she would just be too put together, I guess, to, um, you know, have a good head on her shoulders, not be able to take or uh, be taken down by a bad man's behavior. And it's, it's just unfortunate that, well, since they're not really explaining that, what makes her susceptible is that, well, we're just, women are just naive and, you know, that's, it doesn't really require a real motivation it's just a given you know and that to me it's kind of lazy and sexist writing a little bit
2: (laughs) i don't know i think the theory i guess i could go with that maybe would make more sense to give them a little more credit i don't know uh is i mean you know it's like an abusive relationship but it's you know typically you know the you know, not to speak out of my places as a, you know, guy, but like, you know, typically like the, the picture perfect, you know, thing you kind of say is, you know, you know, an abusive relationship, you can get out of that. There's always a way out. You can, you know, it may be difficult and there's X, Y, Z, ABC, whatever,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but, you know, being able to, to brave that and remove yourself from the situation. But I think the manipulation gets her, his manipulation does fool her. It has that wool over her, her eyes, up until the point that she dies. And I think the point that he kills her in the lake, she's done with him. That love, that connection, it's gone. Mm-hmm. But she's still stuck in this abusive relationship, literally at this point, where there are ghosts on this property that can she literally can't escape him. Yeah. So That's I think true. at least after that point. So, you know, I don't want to speak to, you know, the naivety or whatever of up until the point she dies. But I think after that, it really is her just having to kind of roll with it because she literally can't escape and I think she sees the kind of manipulative and harmful person he can be to where maybe she goes along with everything because she fears for Miles and Flora and then Danny even at the point and you know that I think it's kind of she has to pick her moment to stand up for them and herself and whatever she can because it is it's like an abusive relationship that she literally cannot escape because she's dead (laughs)
1: yeah i i still wish though that we had because they they go to the all this trouble to give this complexity to peter and like it's i don't know like the the story of the man is more valuable and interesting than Mm -hmm. you know the the backstory for the woman and I mean she she's one half of this fucked up relationship but yeah. we only get character development as it pertains to the relationship.
2: That's true. I'll t- I give you that. And, and yeah.
1: That that's kind of the part I guess that bothers me. It's like, you know, she's she's just as much a part of this as what he is, but we're not getting that story, you know, about her. And it may not even have to really explain maybe how she you know, because we kind of see how Peter kind of gets to be the man that he is. And it's like, oh, that's why he's so messed up, yeah. you know, uh, or at least could explain. Maybe maybe that's not the whole reason. It could just be for many reasons. You know, there's the whole nature versus nurture thing, mm-hmm. um, but at least kind of gives a little bit of like, oh that kind of helps explain why he is the way he is with Rebecca. Maybe it doesn't really have to necessarily explain how she got into this relationship with Peter, how she was able to be manipulated. I mean, you could be a very smart woman and very capable and be taken in by a narcissist or, um, you know, be blinded by love. And, you know, um, you know, uh, we've all kind of been there, you know, (laughs) but, I'm just like, you know, it just would have been nice had we gotten, you know, she is just as much a part of this story as what he is. But, you know, it's like, well, it's worth telling the complexities and um, the roots of his behavior, but not necessarily Rebecca's. And it just seems like they're just more interested in the story of Peter Quint. You know, he's a liar. He's a puppeteer. He also gets to be complicated. Um, he, He does work well as a real life monster. You know, we've got like the supernatural kind of monsters here that I'm sure we're going to talk about. I know I am. (laughs) Um, But we also have, um, well, he is, I guess, supernatural. But even before he was dead, he was, I I still think, a bit of a monster. And I think dying kind of made him worse, honestly. yeah. Um, And, you know, when he goes through the whole thing with Miles and Flora, you know, talking about if they just give themselves over and then you know they can all just be friends and be in their forever home um, which kind of mimics how he convinced Rebecca to let him in yeah he never learned any lesson at all from that initial violation he's still lying he's still using others Mm -hmm. uh, you know so that and that's what's frightening is it's that that persistence and that relentless pursuit of his own self-interest that I think is really frightening and he's a very formidable villain i think yeah. um, but she, but Rebe- but they don't bother to kind of give rebecca that same you know depth mm-hmm. or we don't get to see that necessarily so that's where i kind of had a little bit of an issue with that i just wish they would have paid her and maybe they will i don't know we're only in you know, well, we've only got two episodes left. So yeah. I don't know how much time we have to get much of Rebecca's backstory. But it would have been nice to get just a little bit more about who who she who she is. Because I think she's an interesting character for sure. And I would have yeah. loved to learn more about her. Um but yeah. And yeah, that's I think a, a just to kind of circle back on Peter too, that point I was making about, you know, how he you know, he's still doing the same thing with Flora and Miles. When he saw how much it backfired with Rebecca, when he when he did that to her, to you know, kind of let you know him take o- her over, and that didn't work out. But yeah, he's still doing it with the kids and using those lies and manipulation and puppeteering, if you will. Wonder yeah. if that's what Miles was talking about in that puppet story when yeah. he and Flora were doing that uh, story time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Makes me curious. But anyway, or if he was Miles or was he Peter when he told that story?
2: Yeah, because I feel like that was Peter telling that, was that story.
1: Peter. We'd have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we kind of learn new things. And now that it's been kind of confirmed, and I think we've picked up on sometimes when we were like, oh, no, there's something wrong with Miles there. We think he's being possessed, you know, we, when it, we were still kind of speculating. And now that we know how much we would kind of pick up on it a little bit more now that we know. So, gonna have to do a rewatch after this for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I kind of, Dragged on a little bit on my number four there. So, um, what is your number three?
2: My number three is the forever house and the plan that really Peter has, but I guess, you know, Peter and Rebecca's plan, but it's more like I mentioned earlier, her kind of going along with it, maybe just until she finds the right time to, to break away. And, uh, I was, I'm still trying to piece together exactly what that plan is. Yeah. Um, because I think, too. you know, at first I was like, are they trying to, to take over? Because they were talking about the the forever house and, you know, bringing, you know, with your parents kind of thing, which now you realize it's all just a complete lie because the parents aren't even there. I mean, I guess they would be tucked away in memories of them with their parents. And so that's where they chose to be tucked away. So right. maybe not, but, you know, at first it was like, are they going to kill these kids? But I guess they're not really killing them the way that Peter, I'll give it to even though it was in the body of Miles. Um. But Peter says, yo, Miles, is just a little tickle in the back of my head now. He's still down there, but way at the bottom, you know, where, yeah, they're just tucking them away permanently, not really yeah. killing them, but they're not, they're not there anymore. Um, right. But then I was wondering, like, what does that actually accomplish? Because well, they've already seen that even if possessing somebody else, you can't leave the property.
1: Right. That's, like, that's what I wondered. It's like, well, you still can't leave the yeah, property.
2: We didn't see them attempt it with the full takeover.
1: Right, but Just whenever I it was still. Like partial with yeah,
2: America. but I would assume it still doesn't work that way.
1: Maybe it's a level of freedom, like you were talking about. Like they don't have to keep, like they're not going to be tucked away anymore. Like they're not going to be pulled yeah. by those memories. They're not going to keep getting, you know, pulled back uh, and doing that loop over and over again, where they kind of lose themselves. Yeah, um,
2: so they're permanently and, and grounded can, that way.
1: Right, and they can actually like live again, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, they can breathe and they can eat and they can feel and they can touch, you know.
2: Yeah, they can be together, which again, maybe, you know, part of the plan it goes all the way back to like a year before where Miles gets him expelled you know, gets himself expelled from school, and Peter kind of manipulates him into doing that. So, oh so you can come back to Flora and make sure she's safe. But really it's so this plan can be enacted where, no, you can't go back to school, so now you're stuck here and you have to live here forever and now I can, I can have you, you know.
1: Right, and wasn't there speculation? Just to kind of interject on that kind of theory, I think that was brought up last week by was it one of our listeners that questioned that? Was it Rebecca that made Flora write that note to bring Miles home um, yeah. so that they could carry out this plan? But maybe it was Peter.
2: Yeah, it could have that been that made Flora.
1: You know, because Peter needs Miles. Yeah, um, so it's all part
2: of a game to Flora. Yeah. Flora is not as privy to everything as much as miles had picked up on Mm -hmm. but yeah i I still yeah just trying to figure out exactly what their plan is and again it's one of those things like i don't really want to dig too deep into or think about but i'm like their relationship like okay you want these physical bodies relationship like doesn't seem like the most like kosher great idea for it to be like these young brother and sister like that's a little
1: young children yes a little off
2: you know like
1: former lovers that are yeah gonna them there's just so many
2: ways (laughs) so yeah I don't really want to think about that one and dig into that at all but it's yeah but you it is enough to where it pops up and you question like what is the plan like that can't be the best thing that they came up with because it's a little little not good
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I just would have been bet which quite an age gap there but would have been better had Peter taken over Miles and rebecca taken um danny you know i mean at least at least they would be related
2: yeah it's like they had all this time to like think through this plan and now they're like i feel like they just jump into stuff a little quicker than they should have because they feel themselves slipping more and more which then ties into like i guess the faceless ghosts is that is what happens to people who die here that they keep slipping and fading and dream hopping until eventually they they fade completely to the real world and the way that we see that is this faceless thing that happens where they kind right. of become less and less human and less of who they were. And they're there's this trapped
1: And soul. It sounds like they're forgotten about too. Like people yeah. forget who they are because they've been there for so long or it was so long ago when they died that people forget about them. Yeah. So they become faceless. Yeah.
2: So this is their plan to not have that happen to them and, I think it ends up getting rushed to where now I'm not even sure, you know, because I'm at like, I don't know exactly what their end game is, but maybe they don't either. Maybe that's part of it. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I did notice is when Miles is completely taken over and he sits back up, he has the heterochromatic eyes. Yep. Which was.
1: So I'm glad he, cool. He so that. cool. Because yeah. I was I like, did we ever
2: attention. see that again? Like before? And I don't think so because it was like those little blips or hiccups as they were calling them. But now that he has fully taken him over and there is no more miles, the eyes are the way of seeing that.
1: Yeah. And I think that's kind of that indication that Peter's taken over. Yeah. It, it's not just those temporary where they're – because it sounds like it they, It was night games. Like while well, – everyone was sleeping uh peter and Flo- or um bex would you know kind of possess them and they'd play games at night and stuff you know they would yeah. kind of be allowed to be free um and that this was a common game that they that they did so um but now now that it's like full on yeah yeah that was a really good attention to detail i was yeah. glad to see that
2: I thought it was so cool. Like it's the first thing I noticed. Cause I mean, it's just his face and like full screen kind of thing. I was like, Oh, the eyes. That's really yep. cool. The <laughs> eyes.
1: Good observation. But, uh, Glad you noticed. Mm-hmm.
2: But then kind of to wrap this point up, I was like, thank God. <laughs> thank that Rebecca is not in on this. Is mm-hmm. you finally see, you know, while Peter is giving this, you know, deep heart talk with Miles where they're both crying and which was just rough because I see right through him and I know it's all this manipulation and it's disgusting. But while he's doing that, Rebecca has the opportunity to talk to Flora and basically tell Flora everything that she needs to say and do to convince Peter that Rebecca is now in Flora in order, you know, Until, you know, she gets that lucky break that Peter wanders off with Hannah to where Rebecca has that plan. Okay, now this is the time where we need to, you know, save Danny, untie her, tells Danny, take Flora away from here. You know, it's too late for Miles, which is just devastating. You know, I'm still thinking, like, will they be able to save him? Like, maybe there's something. But like, according to Rebecca and even Hannah, it's it seems he's gone and that's it. Mm hmm. But at least Flora and Danny may have a chance. At least we think, until <laughs> the very end of the episode, which is a different point, but but
1: yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm trying to hold out just a, a tiny glimmer of hope for yeah. Miles. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's heavy stuff, man. It is. <laughs> This whole episode is so heavy. There's so much tragedy and just so much um, going on. I like that. Those are really good points. Uh, well, my number three uh, is it's you, it's me, it's us. hmm <sighs> Rebecca keeps having the recurring memory um, of, of Peter when they are in the uh, – forbidden um, part of the house and they're doing the polaroid and the fur coat that kind of keeps coming back around a lot and this is where she kind of keeps coming back to uh, in this episode and you know you would almost think if you're just looking at at like surface level that they're trying to kind of romanticize this codependent toxic relationship by having rebecca go back to this happy memory but when you choose to remember the highs of a relationship rather than the lows, that's actually a symptom of codependency. Mm-hmm. And if you really take a closer look, it, it's lovely in, in its own way, but it doesn't really help you not see the ugly parts and yeah. that ugly parts of Peter's jealousy and possessiveness, his empty charm and his manipulations. And it's Peter who's tucking her away yeah, in this memory you know, this, this isn't really, she's not going there really by her choice. It's he's manipulating her and he's the one that keeps putting her there. And it's because he wants her to remember him like that. Yeah. And that's, that's when you kind of get this full horror of their relationship. It's a real life horror. And it's honestly kind of a frightening look at the cost of codependency. And, you know, they, they, talked earlier in the season about the difference between love and possession yeah and you, you definitely see a, a lot here and i mean the fact that he could possess her and take her to the lake and then drown her but just before she really starts to drown he leaves her and she's left there alone, uh, you know, under the water. And I'm going to tell you that the cinematography in this show, I mean, Mike Flanagan is such a master filmmaker. I mean, if you watch yeah. Dr. Sleep, um, I know you've seen it, but, you know, yes. for, the, for the listeners, if, if you haven't yeah. seen it, its he's such a great filmmaker. And, I mean, Haunting of Hill House proved that for sure. Uh The remake of Gerald's Game on Netflix. Uh, I know that we covered that, so I know many of our listeners. That's another one of those
2: that, like, (laughs) I don't (laughs) think I can ever watch again because it disturbed me so deeply. I loved it; it was an incredible movie, incredible story. But like, it's so dark and disturbing, kind of in the way this episode is. Like,
1: yeah, it's hard to watch a lot. It's it's not
2: one that I really want to go back to because it is a lot to take in.
1: It is a lot to take in. It's pretty disturbing, but he's got some great filmmaking elements there that make it so disturbing. And he he does that in Hill House. He does in Dr. Sleep. And he did it here. That scene where Rebecca is kind of waking up to like she knows something's wrong and realizes that she's underwater, but she's in the bed and she looks up and there's like she's underwater Mm -hmm. there in the bed. And she kind of is realizing what is happening to her. I mean, I thought that was such a in a tragic way, beautiful. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was, it was, I don't want to say it was just a beautiful moment because it was clearly disturbing because she's being drowned and she's dying, but it was a beautifully shot, I guess, moment, but very tragic. Um, And then when she sees Peter's body at the bottom of the lake uh, and it's, it, it was just horrific all around. Peter, when he's possessing Rebecca and sees his own dead body.
2: Yeah.
1: And when he leaves and it's Rebecca and she sees Peter, uh, and then she's left alone to drown, uh, by herself. And then to see her, uh, on the edge of the lake there with her dead body floating on the water. And she is just crying tragically. I mean, this was a hard episode. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Um, so I don't know. Just, you know, I, I like the, the approach that they were trying to take with this. You know, if you didn't look at it too too heavy, you'd think that they're trying to romanticize this. But it's like, no, they're not. They're If you really take a look at it, you can see all that's wrong. Um, with with their relationship and and how much it took for Rebecca, I think, to finally kind of wake up. Like you said, when she after she comes back after she's dead, and she's very upset with him. She's like, "That is not what you promised. That is not what you said." And and yeah. that is and when she says, "That's not what I agreed to."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, you know, that hit hard. Yeah. So. And did you see, just kind of a side note, when we're talking about the bodies at the bottom, like, did you see the little small skeleton next to Peter's body?
2: I did. There was at least one or maybe two other bodies mm-hmm. under there with him to where,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I think that's, yeah, it's definitely not, he's, it's not the fate that only he has met.
1: It does No, no, it doesn't sound like it at all. But I thought, oh, that looks like a little body. That looks like a little skeleton. Not mm-hmm. quite a adult size skeleton, which is tragic enough being an adult. Think how yeah. terrible that would be if ugh I'm not gonna go there right now, but that's what mm-hmm. I that's what it reminded me of. But yeah, that's that's what I wanted to kind of just talk about is just their relationship in general and kind of taking a real look at that. And we really get a deep, deep look at that. We got a glimpse of it in in part one. Yeah. But you definitely get get a look at, at it here. And we talked earlier about it when we were talking about Peter and You know, how he was manipulative and a liar and possessive and, you know, what he was doing to everyone, not just Rebecca, but just an interesting take for sure. So, heavy stuff. This (laughs) one's going to be hard to take, I think. This is going to be difficult when we wrap this one up. (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: a heavy episode all around. It is heavy.
1: It is. Um, Well, that's my number three. What is your number two?
2: My number two, I'll – um. I was gonna say step out of some of the darkness and heaviness, but not <laughs> really. I know, it, not, but not really. It's it's just a different form of it. Because uh, <laughs> I want to talk about Danny and kind of her perspective throughout this oh my episode. God,
1: can you imagine we haven't even talked about Danny. Yeah, how terrible. This, what this experience was for yeah. her. She's, yeah, and
2: that's the thing, is because I mean she doesn't know all this backstory. She doesn't know what's gone on between Peter and Rebecca, she really hasn't even picked up on the whole possession thing. Like maybe she's starting to realize that there's some weird stuff going on with the kids, but like Mm -hmm. she's like a completely ignorant bystander, this whole thing. And all of a sudden, you know, all she knows is she wakes up with her head like bleeding and she's tied and gagged up in the attic with these two kids that she's supposed to be caring for talking past her talking to some other figures that she can't see Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, what they're going to do about her and, you know, trying to convince, well, we don't want to hurt her, but like, Oh, we can just tuck her away. And Oh, I promise it's not that bad. I mean, it can be kind of bad sometimes when you're not expecting it. And I don't like it all the time, but sometimes it's okay. Like they're not selling it very well.
1: No kidding. Yeah.
2: And it's just, all of it has to sound just like complete insane nonsense where she's like, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? Who are these strange cult children? And what are, you know, what are they about to do to me? And then Rebecca and Peter appearing, and she knows enough of their story to, like, they're supposed to be very dead. Or, you know, at least Rebecca is, and I don't know why Peter's here. What is going on? And so it's just very, you know, confusing and perplexing. And so you have to like, putting myself in her mindset, I'm like, this has got to be mo- the like most insane, terrifying thing she's ever experienced in her life.
1: I I can't imagine. I, I had to. It was so easy to sometimes forget about her. as She's <laughs> <laughs> excuse me on the floor, and you know she's she's clearly distraught, scared out of her mind. She's and I think not just scared for herself, but scared for Flora and Miles. Yeah. Uh, wondering what in the world is one either going on with them, what are they being caught up in, what are what's happening to them. She knows I, I feel that they're being used and manipulated, but she doesn't quite understand, like like said, she doesn't have that full backstory. Um yeah. But it's yeah, I, I tried to think of that my second go-around as I was watching it and, and finally thinking of, gosh, think about being Danny in this yeah. situation. You don't have all this backstory like we like we have a lot of information but danny doesn't mm-hmm. have all that information she knows at least from that polaroid picture that you know she knows what rebecca who she is and she knows rebecca's dead yeah. uh, but you know she's not sure about peter but i think she's catching on with the way he kind of disappears and how he goes in and out of the memories and stuff and how he's there and then he's not and then when he pops up out of nowhere or when he's all of a sudden appears and he jumps into miles and then all of a sudden jumps back out again um she is clearly flipped out, and I, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. And then when when Peter grabs the the attic ghost,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he's like, you know, irate, and he's like, you know, do you want to end up like this? This is what's going to happen to us. And and of course, Danny is again absolutely horrified. She's like, <laughs> what the hell, or who the hell is that? Yeah, you know, like we going on? about the creepy attic ghost that just lays there on the middle of the floor, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of gurgles and and groans. Um, but it was like, how terrifying that was again, talking about Peter's horrid behavior that he just tosses her about. I mean, yeah. damn. Um,
2: and then listening to Peter and then miles being overtaken by Peter, just like referring to her as like, Oh, what do we do about that one? Yeah. You know, do we, you know, and not knowing what these things mean, you know, like, what well, do we teach her to dream hop? Do we tuck her away? Like <laughs> in her position be like, I don't know what the fuck either of those things mean, but they don't sound good. Or then it's just like, oh, we're just going to have to we're just gonna have to get rid of her. We're going to have to take care of her. It's like, um, because <laughs> she knows too much. She's seen. And it's, yeah, that's horrifying. And, you know, yeah, I, not just for herself, but you said you mentioned even the kids. Because, I mean, again, when Miles is really, or when Peter is really like going and talking to Miles and, you know, they're both like just crying and he's really. You see Danny over there just like with that gag in her mouth, muffled, just screaming, no, no, because she realizes like whatever it is you're planning on doing it's not good for these kids
1: yeah she i think is doesn't know all the story and everything that's been happening but clearly sees that you know miles is being taken advantage of and being manip- manipulated into the situation
2: yeah and when they're first taken over frightened. or at least when it looks like floor is taken over when miles is I mean there's that split second where they both just drop to the floor where you know danny just has to be like and now they're dead and the kids i'm supposed to be watching are now just dead and nobody's gonna know why and even if i survive this no one's gonna believe me so now it's all like it's just a mess
1: it's a mess can't even imagine everything that was going through her mind in in (laughs) those moments and all of that
2: and then yeah Yeah. she finally gets let go she gets a moment of of you know (gasps) brevity she oh yeah you know rebecca is like okay rebecca's on my side it's still completely batshit but okay i'll take it you know get flora out of here just to end with the lady of the lake grabbing her by the throat and then the episode ends literally i'm like you know i watched it late at night i'm hoping i'm not like waking up my upstairs neighbor because all i could do is just <laughs> credits hit and you can just hear me go fuck <laughs> like Widow. what
1: finally able to speak i said the same yeah. you know that. i think i mentioned when uh, she did that to peter when she just like literally came out of nowhere boom yeah. and she just immediately <laughs> just like like she's a fucking robot yeah boom grabs peter by the neck and just drags him like he's a fucking doll yeah you know until he she strangles him dead I was literally frozen in terror. <laughs> I mean that is a thing people and it exists or at least it did for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it got me again. This episode, I was not expecting that. I mean, it, it's kind of like, oh, my God, what are you guys going to do? And you, are, you, are you leaving? Where are you going? What about Miles? And what the fuck? And poor Danny's like, because Flora's like, wait, what are we doing? Where are we going? She's like, I don't know, but we're just getting far away from here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was like there You heard what ghost go. Rebecca said. Get the hell out.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, like, just, we don't even know where we're going. We're just getting far away from this house. and I don't mm-hmm. even have a plan. We're just getting far away. So you're kind of caught up in that moment, not even thinking. You know, we have no way of knowing that she's out on the prowl because we're usually get that warning, right? Yeah. From little ghost boy moving the ghosts around and letting you know, hey, Lady of the Lake's doing her, her nightly walk, you know, be 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 prepared and be on the lookout. Um, she just comes out of nowhere. And we saw how it ended up for Peter.
2: Yeah. So I don't I'm scared. I don't know. I mean, is there a way out of this for Danny? I cause based on what we've seen, I don't think so. But But you have to hold on to that hope. Like, you know, Henry's still coming? Maybe?
1: I don't know. I don't know. know. It it doesn't look good. I mean, she was, you know, this small ghost. Peter is a big guy. Big, tall, strong guy. And he could not get out of her grip. And, you know, she... I mean, he was dead before he got to the lake. I mean, you know, with the with the hold she had on his neck, he was choked yeah. out before he got to the lake. And you could tell that was already happening to Danny where she was getting choked out.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know if
1: there's any way to help her. I don't know if there's any way. I don't know who this ghost is. I think we, we've kind of speculated who she is based on some of the gravestones and the grave rubbings that Flora was doing. Yeah, but We don't know that for sure. And we really don't know who she is or the backstory and really what all that's about and why she is the way she is she seems to be this vengeful ghost. Why does she seem to have why why does she I don't know not really target but she didn't take Flora. Yeah. So why why does Flora seem to be okay? Maybe even Miles seems to be okay, but you know, some others are not. So why does she behave the way that she does? I don't know yet, but it doesn't seem to be good for Danny. I felt like a, a few episodes ago that we weren't in it like maybe Danny might not make it out of this and I I don't want that to be true but didn't look good yeah that was that was after I was like unfrozen for like a second I was like fuck I was like are you kidding me (laughs) and I'm having to hurry up and hit that thing on my Netflix because you know how it wants to go like to the next episode automatically and it's like five four three two one you know so if you don't hurry (laughs) up and freaking like if you don't have the remote near you fast enough or if you're sitting there like me frozen like what the fuck just happened yeah um, you have to hurry up and like because i don't want the episode to start i don't want to see so i'm like fuck 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 <laughs> and i was like oh my god and i'm gonna tell you peg this was it's hard we've talked about it multiple times so i hate to sound like a broken record and how hard it is not to continue on to the next episode but i'm gonna tell you what i almost i almost cheated oh yeah i almost <laughs> cheated i almost was like no one will know just go ahead and watch the next one. And I was like, no, you just have to, uh. <laughs> I went on to another show, got my mind off of it. And I, yeah. well, I needed something light to watch anyway after that heavy episode. Yeah, I
2: didn't really take a lighter approach, but I did have to watch some other stuff after. <laughs> I won't say lighter because I, I had to catch up with my Walking Dead. So I watched Fear and World Beyond like directly okay, after. well, so, well, you know. It's lighter.
1: It's a little lighter <laughs> yeah. than at least for this episode anyway. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that. I'm definitely watching tonight now that yeah. we're going to get this episode in the bag. I have to I have to um, find out what happens next. And I, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have all of the information. Hopefully I'll have some more. I was afraid to read too much. But what little bit I've heard and say not heard, I guess, was that this episode was shrouded in secrecy. Oh, yeah. Immediately that day. And the next day, you can go and find whatever you want about the shows. And that's why we always have to be so careful when we're doing news, because we're still in the first or second episode. (laughs) And the entire like story of the whole series is out there. Um, But I was told that they asked the I think asked the press. And if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. But since they had released all nine episodes and you could watch all of them, they made the press or asked the press to not write about this episode for like three days mm-hmm. after the series was released um, yeah. at, on Netflix because they wanted it to kind of remain a little bit as secret as possible and not be out. So they they I think they all agreed to wait like three days before they wrote about this specific episode. I could
2: I could see that because. I mean this episode is probably as heavy as it is it kind of gives Well I'm
1: sorry I mean episode 8 the next oh, episode Oh the
2: next one the next one okay the Next one Oof great Yeah <laughs> I was going to cool. say cuz this, this one has a lot of like answers and like big stuff that like kind of yeah if you would have seen it it would ruin kind of the whole season for you cuz you're like oh well, possessions and this and that and deaths and
1: I'm sorry I wasn't clear but, episode 8 oh, episode is eight, the one
2: that
1: yeah. was shrouded in secrecy
2: they asked them
1: to to (laughs) wait three days after the series was released to write about it, to release the stories. And I guess they agreed, which I'm shocked, but you know,
2: no, i really, it makes me just really even more be like, I got to dive in as soon as we can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's in this upcoming episode that we're getting ready to watch that, you know, they, they wanted to kind of keep it as locked down as possible. And um, so I don't know, we'll find out yeah oh man <laughs> i know let's bring this shit up, <laughs> so, shit up teasing. <laughs> so that was your number two then yes okay well my number two was hannah and i i feel like we've talked about her um a lot or at least yeah. as much as what we could she wasn't in this episode a lot but i think we've broken that down pretty well so i don't have cool. anything else to add what's your number one
2: Alright, my number one is the story of Rebecca and Peter, which we covered a lot of it.
1: Okay. So anything else you let me want to s- add?
2: Yeah, let me see what I've got here. Again, we talked about the the dream hopping and why, you know, I think they, you know, kind of use that at first to ground themselves when they would possess them and send the kids into that, but then even the ghosts themselves deal with that. Um let's see. Yeah, just kind of where Rebecca goes back to, we we do get a little bit of her, you know, dream hopping when it doesn't necessarily directly have Peter involved, but we see her being questioned about his disappearance and what she would have known.
1: Yeah, it was good to kind of see what that looked like for her yeah. um, when we left off, because we, the last that we saw, and it wasn't part one, but it was the, um, whatever episode it was when we saw Peter die, that... Yeah they he had left her bed at night and that's when they made the plans pack a bag i'm coming back for you tomorrow i've got to go to the bank and then they were going to run away together yeah and then now we're kind of seeing even though it's like a memory hop um at least to kind of see what that was like for her on yeah on that end yeah
2: and then it cutting directly to as she's hopping through then with miles being there and like telling her very it you know unsettlingly like oh but he's still here so i guess that's okay and Oh, man. You know, she's yeah. not sure what that means, but eventually she does as he does reveal himself to her. She realizes he's dead after, you know, not believing him and freaking out for a second. And he finds a way to convince her because obviously words alone aren't going to do anything. It sounds insane. Yeah. But then having that where he has, you know, his hand to go through hers as some pretty good evidence, which fucks her up pretty bad for a while. Sure does. Um, she just kind of zones out a lot, which I'm glad you mentioned Dr. Sleep a little earlier. There's a little nod to it. I don't know if you noticed it. I did not notice it the first time. I caught it on my second watch. Oh, what's that? When I'm Rebecca so is sitting at the desk and the kids are, you know, Miss Jessel, Miss Jessel. And she's just zoned and completely mm-hmm. ignoring them. She has some Scrabble tiles on her desk that are stood up on the front of her desk where you can uh-huh. read them. And they spell out red rum.
1: Shut up.
2: <laughs> yep, I noticed it on my second watch, and I was like, "That's fun." It's Mike Flanagan directed Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. For people who, for some reason, might not be aware, and uh, yeah, so I thought that I was looked at. It. I was like, "Does that say it does?" Like that's damn that's it, clever. you
1: Mike Flanagan. <laughs> yeah. I hate that whole Red Rum thing. Yeah. That's why I can't watch The Shining anymore. Ever, mm-hmm. I've seen it, so That's it. I can't watch it ever again. Yeah. Of that. So, oh yes, yeah, so the,
2: the Scrabble tiles on Rebecca's desk spell out red rum while she's in the love zoning out. I thought That's it was That's totally really cool. on
1: purpose. I yep, promise definitely. it's on purpose. That's um, awesome. Good catch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So then we see the secret meetings she has with him for a while, but it's still at that point she can't touch him until finally mm-hmm. he accidentally possesses her, and he's not even aware of what happened, and then she's right. not aware that it happened, and it becomes this really weird thing, but eventually they talk about it, and... Then Rebecca comes downstairs and is talking to Jamie for a little bit. And it's pretty clear that it's actually Peter because she's he's trying to see if he can go past the property boundary when he's possessing somebody else, which we see doesn't work. Right. So it, it gave me a little theory that I had that maybe there's nothing to this, but it was just I like I like my little theories, you know.
1: I like hearing the theories where
2: I was like, you know, does possession only happen under heightened emotion if ghosts can have emotions you know which i guess they can in this circumstance because you know we see peter passing through people and things for the most part but it's only when he's deeply feeling some kind of emotion is when he was able to become more uh solid or then possess people because you see the first time he takes over miles a couple episodes ago is while he was in fear of seeing his own dead body right so there's a lot of fear there so that's when he takes over miles and then the first time he takes over Rebecca is, you know, she's, you know, kind of screaming and yelling just out of frustration, because, you know, I can't touch you, I can't be there for you, this is not working. And he's trying to quiet her. And so he reaches out and grabs her out of frustration himself, and that's when he takes over. And then of course after that, then I think it's just that like the emotion then becomes a steep desire to be able to possess somebody, as they kind of hone that ability. Right. But yeah, that's because I was trying to was like, well, why can't he sometimes not? And so that was my little theory working on is I think there has to be, you know, at first strong emotion and then it becomes more of just, you know, the desire to do so.
1: Yeah. And you were talking about, you know, whether he can like feel emotion like as a ghost and i think that he can i mean he was definitely showing some emotion when he was trapped in the memory with his mother uh and how much that affected him and even you know where he cried at one point and and you know and that got to me i was like oh my god i'm i'm having feelings here for peter quint this yeah asshole um But also when he's talking with Miles and -hmm. when he's talking to Miles and talking to him about, you know, you're going to be with your mom and your dad who love you and you're going to be in your favorite home and there, you know, there's not going to be any more school. There's not going to be more bullies and you're going to be the richest man. He goes, I wish I was that rich. And I think he really meant that. I mean, Peter Quint is a horrible, manipulative liar. He is selfish. We've seen all of these things and that, you know, again, doesn't excuse because of his past or anything, but. The man still knows how to love. Yeah. And you know, you could really see how that affected him and how he has spent I think his whole life alone. Like he had parents, but it, I don't know what happened to his dad. I don't know. It feels like his dad's not dead, but we don't really know a lot about what happened to his dad. That was kind of shrouded in a little bit of mystery. Yeah. Um because his mom says something like if if he knew where you were, he'd kill you and he thinks they're they're kind of in cahoots with each other his mom and his dad and they're trying to you know ring him for some money and stuff and so he you know we don't quite know a lot about what happened with his dad but he pretty much grew up alone it seems and he doesn't want to be alone anymore Yeah. and i feel like that is also kind of part of what's behind his you know wanting to keep rebecca with him because he's even when he's possessing her he's alone yep because she's tucked away in a memory and he's kind of there but he's not there he's still alone and he sees this, you know, when he decides to make that decision to, you know, when he, you know, to drown her in the lake and, and have her die, that she can then be trapped with him. Um, so I think yeah. in that moment, he was definitely feeling it. And that, again, it made yeah. me feel for him. I really felt bad for him in that moment. And it was more like you said, more like the past him, the child him yeah. that, that made him who, who he was. But I, I did I did feel feel in that moment.
2: Definitely. I think the only other note I had on that was just a little, another thing I noticed, which wasn't as hidden as the red rum, but uh, you know, the Polaroid pictures when it's Mm -hmm. like after she had drowned in the lake. And then it goes back to that memory when, you know, the Polaroid pictures that they're looking at that he takes of themselves. They're very ghostly zombie decayed, dead in those pictures. Yeah. And it was a little creepy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. But yeah,
2: that's all I had on that.
1: That's great. Uh, Well, my number one was the ending there with Flora and Danny and Danny being taken away by the lake lady. I I, I don't have a lot to say because it was very quick, happened very fast. It's just a lot of what the fuck kind of moments. I think I saw some also some people were pretty pissed off at Flora in this episode, like people are really mad at Flora (laughs) in this episode, but I'm like, you know what? She's a kid. Yeah. And, you know, she's, I think really scared for her brother, Miles. I don't think that they're used to being apart. I know that they had some time apart when he was at his boarding school. Didn't sound like he was there for very long though, because he then, you know, found his way to get home. And, and I think now, and speaking of that, I think it's pretty clear that we can definitely say for sure that when, when, miles was at school he was definitely not under peter's influence yeah it was just him so he
2: was under peter's influence as far as peter's the one that told him to do those things to get back home
1: yes i well yeah or yeah to to a degree
2: planted that in his mind
1: i think he planted the seeds like when he was talking about the keys and and what it takes you know to to get himself home and he even referenced that in this episode he's like do you remember with the bird you know, he was telling him about the bird, So he seems to know all of those things that happened and stuff. And yeah, um, but I was like, you know, so knowing that he wasn't being possessed by Peter, did did Miles really was that like what it was going to take was for him to beat the hell out of his classmate, kill a bird, um, fall out of a tree, all these things. Was it is that really were those things like that necessary to get himself kicked out of boarding school and sent back <laughs> home? And now I'm almost kind of worried about a little bit about miles now, right. just from knowing that that was him acting out and not being possessed by Peter. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm like, shit, that's, I don't know. I think I could think of something else better to do to get myself kicked out of school, <laughs> killing an animal and being right. the shit out of my best just, friend. Just
2: do drugs like a normal kid. <laughs>
1: Anyway, but yeah, that was, you know, I think just Flora, I mean, she's a kid and that's her brother. And I think when they're both themselves and not under the influence of either Rebecca or Peter, they, you know, they, they're all the family that they have. Yeah. Um. So, I, you know, just trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, I just saw lots of people kind of like really pissed at Flora and I'm just wanting to take up for her a yeah. little bit. She's oh, a, yeah.
2: She's a little kid. She doesn't just, fully understand because you know? even, you know the reason you know I, I understand why i can already i haven't seen all of that online but i can assume it's yeah because oh she stopped Danny in the driveway and that's why Danny got grabbed and yeah all this well but even what flora had just said she says i don't like this game to her that that's the manipulation she's been under is she's thinking it's a game yeah she's been told it's a game and so now it's starting to get scary for her and she doesn't like it so she doesn't want to play anymore
1: mhm yep yep i i felt really bad for flora too uh, I mean, just all around bad mm-hmm. things happening to everyone in this episode. And, yeah, she's she's not as old as Miles, which, I mean, still he's still young too. Yeah. Um, but he's got a little bit more of uh, understanding than what Flora did. And so I just want to take up for her for a little bit. But, yeah, that ending, mm-hmm. holy crap.
2: If you want uh, to alleviate the horror of that image in your head a little bit, I did see a bunch online of, like, Side by sides of, of the ghost The lady from the lake When she's about to When she first grabs Danny And then Sandra Bullock Beside that So
1: Oh You know I didn't even have to see that But I, I totally get that Especially uh Like Bird Box Yeah The stringy haired Sandra Bullock Yeah You know Blindfolded Kind of I was like hey, She kind of got a little bit Of a Sandra Bullock um, Yeah Look going there Yeah Phew Yeah, we got to figure out who that lady is and what the hell's Mm -hmm. going on. And if Danny stands a chance in hell at um, escaping.
2: I mean, I hope we find out very early on in the next episode, like right away. It'd be nice. I don't
1: know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what they'll do. Do you have any notes?
2: Uh, Just a few little things. First, I mentioned it a little bit just in a throwaway line. And, you know, Henry is still on his way. So,
1: Yes. Henry is he still in, so we must not soon, about that. So yeah.
2: See what happens. Because all of this whole episode was, you know, aside from, like, there's flashbacks and stuff, but it's happening while Rebecca and Peter, are, like, dream hopping and fading. So mm-hmm. it all happened within the course of, like, an hour or at least, like, a few, you know. Less than the three hours it takes Henry to get there.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And then the other on the notes I had, um, just I wanted to appreciate the little scene we got between Hannah and Owen and Jamie.
1: Yeah.
2: Because I thought it was a, a nice little moment of sweetness. You know, at absolutely no cost must we hurt those precious, precious gluten molecules. Um,
1: <laughs> They're so sweet all of and them And then together. there's a
2: little line in there that I caught that I don't know if everybody would have picked up on it. But, you know, Hannah is giving Owen that hard time about the gluten molecules and blah 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 and he's like well it's chemistry and she says yeah it's chemistry is just like the cleaning you know with mopping you gotta add this and this and this and then when jamie adds into that conversation and owen says it's chemistry and jamie quickly looks at owen and hannah and goes certainly is
1: i caught that <laughs> yeah. i caught that yes the chemistry of Han- hannah and and owen
2: yeah which Owen just like, "What?" And she's like, you doesn't even repeat it." She's just like, "Anyway, <laughs> like if you missed it, you missed it. Sorry."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Too slow.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not enough Owen in this episode. But I know. yeah,
2: I need him to bring some more puns to to lighten the mood after this one.
1: No kidding. In
2: episode eight is that why they just wanted to keep that in secrecy? It's like, oh, it's just a like. Hour-long like stand-up special from Owen. It's just a bunch yeah. of punny <laughs> jokes.
1: pen-filled pen episode with nothing but Owen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Any other notes? That's it. Okay, uh, I think we covered most of mine. The only one um, that I see here that we hadn't really talked about or hadn't mentioned yet was is I was wondering why we haven't really gotten to see Miles tucked away or dream hopping.
2: Yeah. You
1: know we we we've gotten flora with with the last week's episode and then we got um rebecca and hannah and peter but we haven't seen miles and i wonder why
2: yeah i don't know what his would be but i mean i assume it happens because we know you know when peter kind of jumps in and he's like i you know you're supposed to warn me so i mean he sends him somewhere but maybe i mean because we know that's what he is is he's tucked away kind of permanently Mm -hmm. now but maybe in one of these last two episodes, we'll get into kind of the tucked away mind of Miles.
1: Maybe. All right. So I typically at this point go to the hidden ghosts section, which we do have some that we're going to talk about. But I wanted to, um, and I think you might also have some insight here too. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it and then allow you to jump in too, if you want to either jump in here or if you want to talk about it um, during listener feedback, but I was provided, um, a story from vanity fair. This was from our listener Mo Favo. So thank you Mo Favo for this. Um, so we talked about when we talked, when we covered Jolly corner and I think we've mentioned it a couple of times in different episodes that we've covered is some of the backstories for the episode titles. Yeah. And so I want to talk about, um, at least a little bit of the information that I have for the Jolly corner. So this is last week's episode that we covered. Um, This was episode six. So, of course, this was a big showcase for Henry Thomas, um, seeing his character, you know, trapped with his, uh, you know, really creepy, (laughs) creepy smiling doppelganger um, (laughs) and how we had to see him live that over and over again. So in Henry James's uh, story, because all this is based on uh, his, you know, taming of of the is it the taming of the, turning screw? of the screw turning of the screw why do I say taming I don't know what where do my taming, brain is of, the shrew, taming is- of the shrew that's <laughs> wine wine tonight that's where all this is coming from sorry um so but they've also taken lots of other stories that he has and kind of um added them in different parts of stories and kind of weaved them into that story as well so in James's story the jolly corner um and just If nobody wants to know about this, feel free to skip ahead a little bit. I don't know if this is too spoilery. I don't mind reading this part because I don't know that I'm really going to read the books or anything. But if this is too spoilery, just give you a little heads up. We're going to talk a little bit about um, that story. So in the jolly corner in James's story, a man named Spencer Bryden returns to wonder the halls of his boyhood home and becomes obsessed with the notion of who he might have been if he had stayed in America. That obsession ultimately manifests itself in a malevolent double whom Bryden finally encounters Horror with the sight had leaped into Bryden's throat, gasping there in a sound he couldn't utter, for the Baird identity was too hideous as his, and his glare was the passion of his protest. Bryden also describes the doubles having a rage of personality before which his own collapsed, which sounds like a fairly accurate description of the grotesque relationship between the two Henry Wingraves in that episode. Yeah. Um, And then for this episode, The Two Faces. So that was episodes three, and this episode here, seven, uh, where we have the story of Rebecca Jessel and Quint. So the ghostly love story, so nice, Bly Manor told it twice. Um, as mentioned before, the foundation of the Jessel-Quint story can be found in The Turn of the Screw. But all the stuff about the rules of being a ghost at Bly Manor, the soaking wet lady of the lake, and Quint's horrible parents has been added in. How does all that to relate James's very short story, The Two Faces? Um, I guess that's a pretty loose explanation. Um, Something that's touched on in The Turn of the Screw and explored more in depth here is in the way in which Jessel and Quint romance relates to class transgressions. And then we talked a little bit about that a little bit um, in the other episode. Um, In the book, the valet Quint violates a class boundary by romancing Jessel, who, like all governesses, is a lady. Uh, That feels like a very musty idea that wouldn't be out of place in a story from the 1890s, but the 1980s. Well, let's just say the class structure had always been much more rigid in the UK. The scene in which Peter dresses Rebecca up in her dead mistress's furs, that sadly is a class transgression. So just an interesting way to see how they're kind of making that um, and twisting that in, in the story, in the episode that we have. Yeah. So that gives a little bit of history. Um, as to the naming of the episodes. So that that was helpful, I think. Yeah. Kind of learning the origins of, of that.
2: Yeah, I had a listener kind of reach out to me as well and gave me a different, like a kind of like a super summary, which is like a Cliff Notes or, you know, kind of thing on the Jolly Corner, which is that short story you mentioned, since we had talked about it. And so, you know, I kind of responded back. I was like, oh yeah, because it's also written by Henry James. That makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense. So I was like, okay. So, because I knew, you know, um, Mike Flanagan, before we even saw this, before this season started, had mentioned in a little interview that besides the gothic romance thing was that, you know, he wanted to bring in some of Henry James' other works that have never been adapted to screen before. Right. He wanted to play with some of those other stories. So that's a perfect example of one of them he decided to bring in.
1: Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. Anything else you want to say about that before I move on to the hidden ghosts?
2: I think that's good.
1: All right. Uh, Not a whole lot of hidden ghosts in this particular episode, but we'll go over the few uh, that we did see. I only caught
2: two myself.
1: Oh, well, good eyes. Good eyes. (laughs) Uh, I I think I was so wrapped up in the story. I had trouble. I had trouble this one for sure. Um, Well, the first hidden ghost that we see is at the 20th minute and 22 second mark as rebecca is walking down the hall to the forbidden suite or the forbidden mm-hmm. um, part of the home she's walking down the hall you see her back but in front of her which <laughs> might be a hidden ghost but i'm telling you if you're staring at it it's right there uh, <laughs> there is a, a hidden ghost right there in front of her in the corner of the hall um it yep. looks like a figure in like a white gown or something yes. maybe You saw it too.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yep. Figure at the end of the hallway in front of Rebecca, 20 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, At the 27 minute, 34 second mark, there's a shadow over Rebecca's shoulder on the right side. So, Mm -hmm. this is when her and Peter are, uh, looks like, in her room. And behind her in the doorway, there is a shadow figure. You really cannot make out. Did you see that one as well? That's the
2: other one that I saw so we knock those. Well, you out caught right. yeah. them
1: both cuz that's the only two. That's it. This, that's it. Nice. So, I did get good so, hey,
2: I was I was starting off with, I only saw two, but hey,
1: 100%. You got 100% ding, ding, on, ding. on this one. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah, I was so caught up uh this one <laughs> was was definitely hard for me. Um as far as the not so hidden ghosts, not quite as fun, but you know, um at 2 minutes and 20 seconds and kind of maybe starting at 2 minutes and 13 seconds-ish, Peter and Rebecca walking up from behind Danny, but they show up throughout the episode after this constantly. So, of course, they're not so hidden. Yeah. Um, 44 minutes and 33 seconds, we get the what they're calling the fancy faceless lady, the one that the attic, I'm calling her the attic ghost lady that... Rebecca or Peter just literally just like she's lying there next to him like she's Mm -hmm. at his feet which is just creepy and no one seems to just think about her being there he reaches up grabs her and you know it's like do you want to end up like this um felt terrible for her she seemed to be like really like trying to like put her head down and cover herself almost
2: like embarrassed and ashamed like don't don't talk about me and my not face
1: (sighs) I know it was terrible I'm like god Peter you're such a prick um and then at 56 minutes and 42 seconds the faceless lake lady standing right there in front of danny um mm-hmm. and yeah in this picture she does look a lot like sandra bullock with no eyes <laughs> I mean, like literally looks like her. and that's it that's it i know um you know the the not so hidden ghosts aren't as fun but you know i'm gonna go ahead and point those out anyway so That is it for the Hidden Ghosts this episode. Not that many to speak of. Um, Mm -hmm. And with that being said, that will go ahead and take us into one of our favorite parts of the podcast, and that is our listener feedback portion. Yeah, Yeah, super interested in in some of the stuff. We got some pretty good feedback. There's actually one that we got for last week's episode um, that I'm going to go ahead and talk about really quickly. Um, In fact, these first one, two, three that we have are from uh, last episode. And I want to make sure I always tell people that, um, if I see it and I can get it in, if you're a little late getting it in, I will definitely read it the next week. So, um, Don Elizabeth talking about last week's episode says, I had no idea who that second Henry was. I'm still not sure to tell the truth. I don't think that Henry is dead. So he's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's just guilt ridden. Um, Poor Flora, now she's jumping around in time, or whatever it is. Is she dead and living in people's actual memories of her? How is Henry being her father going to affect her story? I'm wondering about Danny and Jamie. Why is Danny trying so hard to get into a relationship with her? She seems to be trying really hard to get that going. Is it just because she's finally trying out that side of her sexuality? And she, did she really get rid of her fiance's ghost by burning the glasses? We haven't seen him in a while. Danny is starting to actually see the ghosts now, Miss Jessel and the faceless boy, as well as starting to question Hannah's comings and goings. I love Hannah's response to Danny asking her where she goes. She said something like, oh, I was around. (laughs) She sure was around and around. Is there more of a tie between Jamie's story of her family and the truth about Charlotte and Henry's affair than just a story? I love Jamie's talk about sending men into the mine to dig up dead things. That struck my morbid side. Do you have any ideas regarding the faceless boy and the faceless paintings in the opening? I'm just not sure. Also, how did the kids' parents actually die? The show is doing such a good job that I wonder if we are in for a real doozy of a surprise. Looking forward to your podcast and also to hearing everyone's feedback. She's actually got a second part to that, too. She wrote, uh, that was her first part of the feedback, and then she wrote in some more. Um, She says, warning, spoilers on this episode, so if you haven't seen it yet, skip this comment. You asked for some feedback on the post. I wasn't sure where to put it, so I put it here. Let me know if some place is better. I love your idea on the faceless boy moving the dollhouse dolls around to give Flora the heads up on when the ghosts are moving, especially the lady of the lake one. I wondered what his connection was. It had to be more than just playing with the dolls. I wondered if Henry was just crazy, but now I agree with you that the second Henry is his guilt. I don't think he's actually dead. Rima, I agree with you that Jamie's story was too long. I actually felt like the actress herself wasn't all that into it at times. I like the backstory, but feel it could have been cut down. One of your listeners posed the theory that Rebecca had Flora write the letter to Miles to get him to come home. That has me thinking. And poor Flora... Really hope she isn't dead. I can imagine that if you are possessed by a ghost and that ghost takes over your body, when it leaves you, you don't know why you're in a different location than you recall being in and get totally confused. The show definitely needs a rewatch to catch all the nuances that first watches reveal. Keep up the good work. Love you and Pake. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks, Don. We love you too.
2: All right. Laura Willie Swink says, If the theme of Hill House was grief, I feel like the theme of Bly Manor is guilt and being haunted by our guilt. I seriously did suspect that Henry and Charlotte had an affair and that one, if not both of the children, were his. I did not, however, expect that Henry did not actually know that Flora was his child. And speaking of children, I think that faceless boy must be related to the faceless lady of the lake. Did you think it was her son and, they, and that they died tragically? And perhaps her nightly walks through Bly is in search of her child. Mm.
1: I hadn't thought of that until now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they kind of dress the same. Mm -hmm. He's kind of got that long, um, I don't want to call it a nightgown because it wasn't really, that's kind of what I feel like... um, yeah. I mean,
2: kind of it kinda is though. And I know that I, depending I on what is. the time frame, time period they're from, like eighteen hundreds and right. stuff. It was it was boys common wore boys basically to, gowns and dresses. Like a dressing really gown or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When they're young, they they did wear it was like a an a male type nightgown. Yeah, that's boys <laughs> wore those too. And then we see the lady in the lake kind of wears a, a really long, you know, kind of like a nightgown looking type of dress too. So looks like they could be from the same time period. I guess that's always possible. Yeah. This is why I love hearing from our listeners. Yeah. Thanks, Laura. Um, okay, so on to this week's episode. So Lindsay Schlicht writes in and says, "Woo, another good one. I'm glad to finally be understanding some things. Dream hopping, who's possessing who? What really happened to Rebecca? I'm not sure I understand though why Peter wanted him and Rebecca to possess Miles and Flora forever. We learned no matter what, they can't leave Bly Manor when Peter joined with Rebecca forever, and she couldn't leave the property, right? So why bother possessing the kids forever? Just as a way not to fade like the creepy faceless ghosts? Rebecca's death was so sad, and I'm so glad she did not help Peter in the end and saved Flora and Danny. I only hope it wasn't for nothing now that crazy-ass lake lady has Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that line just made me giggle. <laughs> the fact that Miles is truly gone is also really sad. Did you notice he now has two different color eyes? I'm so sad we're almost done. No, Why, no. yes, Lindsay. We did notice, and I'm glad you noticed too.
2: So cool again. I just
1: <laughs> they think of everything. <laughs> Nothing gets by Mike Flanagan. No, that's awesome. Thank you, Lindsay.
2: All right, we have one email this week from our good friend and my other co-host, Daphne. And she says, Hi, Remenpake. Wow, it appears that ghosts at Blind Manor do fade away the longer that they are at Bly Manor. Considering they can't leave, I guess covering their faces is a way to hide that they're disappearing and ties into the art in the opening credits, maybe. Rebecca seems so intelligent and her blind trust of Peter resulted in him taking advantage of her in so many ways. By preying on her for love for him... Or by preying on her love for him, he showed exactly how selfish and twisted he was by promising they could be together, yet never explaining it would be by her making the ultimate sacrifice with her life and subsequently being trapped at Blay Manor with him. It was heartbreaking to see her reaction to her dead body in the lake. Man, for real. His plan to have Rebecca inhabit Flora and he will take possession of Miles by tucking them away in old family memories after they invite them into their consciousness was sad and sinister. That he thinks them dream hopping for life is something positive for them is terrifying. I was relieved when Rebecca and Flora revealed they had not completed their merge. It was incredibly sad while watching Quint as he took control of Miles and took Hannah to the well so that she's forced to accept her status as a ghost. I'm just not sure how Quint reconciles this within himself and if he even has a soul. It's so hard to wait for the next episode after the way this one ended, but with just two left, I think I can make it.
1: (laughs) I admire anyone that was able to hold themselves back from yeah. watching because i'm telling you it's probably the closest i've almost ever been maybe since hill house that yeah i almost went ahead and watched and thought it's okay it's okay <laughs> i didn't but i almost didn't get to the remote fast enough to get to the opening credits that's for sure yeah. thank you daphne so much for that awesome feedback uh we also have a couple of calls First one that we have is from our good friend, Greg.
0: Rima, Peg, this is Greg. I literally have no words. (laughs) I don't see how you guys could do this to me. Make me go week (laughs) to week after this episode. Uh, 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 We knew that Peter was a prick, but good God. Like, he's literally just killing Hannah's spirit out of spite. Uh, and then, you know, oh, hey, I'm literally just going to completely consume Miles. Maybe not completely, but, you know, he's just a little tickle. Uh, and then, you know, the, the whole concept of, hey, we'll be together forever. Just you and me. It's us. Oh, that's just... And then no, oh, I know I know how to fix it. I know I'll just make you a ghost too without your permission. It's like it's like spiritual rape. It's uh It's just what a fucking twat. Anyway, uh, I really look forward to seeing the next episode. And after I leave you this, I can yay. All right, see you guys later. Look forward to the podcast. Oh, we
1: love you, Greg. Yes, I, I promise you. I only get a. T- little bit of pleasure by making you guys wait week by week <laughs> just a little bit no i'm kidding i'm kidding um yeah really good good thoughts there greg yeah. i and i agree with everything that you said Lo- lots of really messed up stuff in this episode yes. and just big ick factor all around um and if you, just for our listeners here, if you enjoy hearing Greg's amazing voice, because Greg does have an amazing voice, and I, I love hearing his voicemails, um, he actually co-hosted this week with Lucy on The Walking Dead cast, which yeah. is on Podcastica, so I just want to give Greg a little shout out for um, so co-hosting. Fun. Yeah. It
2: was great to listen to. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Greg is just so amazing to to listen to when he co-hosts. I mean... It, Even his voicemails are just fun, but getting to listen to him, like co-host a whole podcast is amazing. So I know he and Lucy did an amazing job uh, covering uh, for Jason this week. So if you guys want to hear more of Greg, be sure to listen to him on this week's episode where they're covering the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead The World Beyond. So thanks again, Greg. Great voicemail. Always great to hear from you. All right. Our next voice message that we have is from our good friend, Steve Brown.
3: All right, Pake and Rima. This is this show is just it's really good, but wow. <laughs> very, very dark. I'm uh uh that cliffhanger at the end. Let me start there and I'll kind of work my way backwards. I just I don't know how Danny's going to get out of this. I hope there's a way, but it really unless flora stops it maybe rebecca could stop the lady of the lake i don't know miles isn't going to because she's doing what he wants to do he wants to get rid of danny um miles slash peter and you know that whole sequence with miles leading hannah to the well was just so tense and he's there's just so much malevolence coming from him. I, I at first I thought we were still unclear about who the malevolent malevolent force is, but it's definitely Peter. And I hope there is a way to save Miles. I hope Rebecca's ghost is wrong. That there's that it's not too late. And we still don't know the fate of Owen and Jamie. We don't know where they play into this. Henry's on his way to the house, I guess. So uh, this was definitely by far the hardest one not to move on. And I guess, uh, like I've said it before and I've done it before, once I send this voicemail, I can watch the next episode. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later.
1: Everybody's teasing us I mean, about I mean, how they
2: both said the same thing. It's like, yeah. we get to watch it right away, and you have to wait till after you are done recording. I know,
1: <laughs> I know. They're they're rejoicing. I'm gonna send you this voicemail, and I'm I'm watching the episode. <laughs> Screw you guys! No. <laughs> they're they're like, we're off to watch. We can't wait. I don't blame you guys. If I was, I would do mm-hmm. the same. Thank you, Steve. As always, great to hear from you guys. I, it, it humbles me to. um have you guys watch week to week with us and then you guys let us know what you think about it and you take the time to do that is I'm, I'm eternally grateful. So thank you guys so much. Um, we've only got a couple more episodes, so we've, we've gotten a really great turnout, really great feedback throughout this entire series. And I hope that we, you know, get more and more of that these last two episodes, because I think it's going to be big. I don't know, whatever's going to happen. I think it's going to be big. Um, so can't wait to hear more from you guys. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Well, next week on Strange Indeed, most folks have already moved on to the next one, but it's <laughs> going to be new for you and I, Peg. Yeah. Um, episode eight, The Haunting of Blind Manor, t- titled The Romance of Certain Old Clothes. Hmm. I,
2: Interesting I, title. Is that another Henry James work that we don't know about? Maybe. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't know. I didn't that far ahead yet. Let yeah. me see. Well, you know what? I'm not going to look because then I'm, I might get spoiled. So I don't know. We'll, we'll talk. About that in
0: this
1: episode. I'm really trying to, especially considering how much they did try to shroud this one in secrecy, that they didn't want yeah. the press to write about it for three days after the series was released. Um, well, we are really excited for you to follow us to Blind Manor. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange T Cast.
2: You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com stranger T Cast.
1: And you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app.
2: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastiga.com And go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned Walking Dead cast uh, on Podcastica, so be sure to check out um, you know their coverage Fear of Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead World Beyond. As I mentioned, Greg um, um, co-hosted with Lucy this week, um, so be sure to check them out. And then also check out House Podcastica, where Jason and Chris and Rich are covering The Mandalorian Season 2. Holy crap. So good. Wasn't Episode 3 amazing oh, this yeah. week? Oh yeah. Oh, Especially for
2: like I mean it's going to be amazing for anybody but especially yes. for like a diehard like Star Wars nerd like me
1: with mm-hmm. all the little
2: like easter eggs and name drops and things. I was like, "Oh my gosh."
1: <laughs> I know. It was it was amazing. It's definitely super fun if you're a Star Wars nerd, but you don't have to be a Star Wars nerd because there's it's just a fun It's a great show. show yeah. Um, so yeah, check out check out those guys on, on Podcastica, House Podcastica and Walking Cast. And um, because we're talking about great podcasts, um, you can also check out Pake's other podcasts, as he mentioned earlier, that he co-hosts with our lovely Daphne, um, which is called Run For Your Lives, um, where they cover monster movies and creature features and disaster films. And you can find them anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts and at runforyourlivespodcast.com. Got any sneak peeks for us this week, Pake?
2: Yeah. Um again, um I like to throw back to what's currently the most recent episode, which, you know, I teased last week. The Lost World Jurassic Park is out now. Yay. And then this weekend we will be releasing our second uh holiday special for this year for the season. <laughs> and um well, isn't that it's a trip and a half. <laughs> um uh we covered the movie from 2007, 2008, uh, Killing," which is a low, 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 low budget oh uh, horror slasher flick about an evil, ancient, murderous turkey who goes on a rampage killing these college kids on their Thanksgiving break and... The budget for the movie is thirty five hundred dollars. It was literally like the turkey is just like a puppet made out of like different effects supplies that the director made in the bathroom of his apartment. It's the it's like home footage, like quality video. It's terrible, but in all the best ways. Wow! If you, it's with all the puns and needless gore and nudity, and <laughs> it's a low budget horror flick that knows how bad it is, and they purposely you know, made it a kind of a cult classic in certain circles because of how terrible it is. So we figured, you know what, let's jump into it and see what happens. And I think even if you don't watch the movie, even if you don't like the movie, maybe tune into the podcast and just see us kind of have a a fun time kind of making fun of it and enjoying what it was.
1: (laughs) Sometimes that's just as good, if not better than watching the movie, just listening to you guys cover it. So, yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that you guys really went there so I admire that (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome well yeah everyone should definitely check out your holiday special for Thanksgiving coming up that's awesome all right well that's
2: our show thanks for listening
1: everyone until next time I'm Rima
2: and I'm Bake.
1: and Amber A. Madison 7 is strange indeed